0: welcome everybody to the kid casper podcast i'm your gracious beautiful blessed beloved and black host a kid that they call casper the kid and kid casper stands for that king of development i'm that menace with the melanin reject me as i am as long as he's still relevant this is your first time tuning in today hello i'm that quirky kid the kids they call casper um i'm a christian raptivist rapper slash activist i love jesus i am super far from a pacifist graphic designer taco enthusiast ghost threads.com that's how we pay the bills around here um What we do here on the Kid Casper podcast is that we, you know, we engage culture through a lens, trying to understand, build bridges, um, at the same time, dissolving these different walls that divide us um, so we can conquer some of these very things that we are all up against and we want to dismantle, like white supremacy, the patriarchy, um, you name it. Weird people that put raisins in potato salad, all that stuff is demonic. We need to just come against all of that. Um, <laughs> my guest this evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, this is somebody I consider, <clears throat> I would say, like, as far as like people in this space, um, providing like social commentary, um, a big figure in my opinion, polarizing, abrasive, very opinionated, but at the same time, it's still refreshing. Um, it's still, it's distilled enough to the point it is a hundred proof. Um, it just may not be to your exact tasting in the sense. I think it's refreshing. Um, for those that know me, you know, I mean, like only thing I sugarcoat, <laughs> only thing that come out of my mouth that sugarcoated or that I even come near me that is in the sense sugarcoated is Kool-Aid. That's it. Um, the truth tastes like cough syrup and it's cherry flavored today. Um, today my guest is y'all may know him as mute the media y'all might know him as the one i would just say the one white guy on tiktok that has better curls than most people do um but (laughs) he said i can address him as matt today so brother matt welcome to the kid casper podcast how you doing today brother
1: Hey, appreciate it man it's really good to see you i really appreciate the opportunity i'm doing pretty good man can't complain it's a nice stormy day here in california so i'm having fun with it
0: that's what's up. That's what's up. So first off, I'd like to say thank you for accepting my invitation. Um, I know we've been trying to do this for months. It's either when you were available, I was busy. Um, when I was available, you were busy. Um, we've been getting in good troubles, good trouble on different sides of the uh, the country, essentially. But we were finally able to create time today. So um, once again, thank you for sharing the space with me today, brother.
1: No, hundred percent, man. Back at you. Like I know, like you said, it's been kind of tough to link up, especially because like I was telling you before, trying to get this whole social media thing going, trying to get the page going. And I was like, you know what, dude, I've been like missing this guy. we got to just lock this down. So uh, I'm really glad we can make this happen today. I'm excited for the conversation because I know checking out your page and some of the things you're about. It's not exactly the total sphere I've been, in, but I like your approach to things. and I think that's what matters the most is like you said, understanding and uh, nuance and things of that nature. So I think that's why we click the way we do, at least when checking out content and stuff like that
0: yeah this is gonna be dope this is gonna be dope so um you know one thing that i want to do especially when it comes to these like this space as far as like not only like activism and the arts just being able to like understand people and i my big thing is humanizing the content creator um it's one thing to know the content and it's one thing to know the creator but then to just remember to that these people are human at the end of the day so i'm like you know what i want to get to know mute the media or aka matt you know what i'm saying so tell everybody that is watching today and that will watch us on the playback tell us a little bit about yourself whatever you feel like divulging completely up to you but tell us a little bit about yourself today
1: You know, so to humanize myself, let's do it. So some like my interests and things like that beyond like the political scene and human rights and stuff like that is I love sports, man. I love sandwiches. I love hanging out with friends and family. You know, uh, that's kind of the way kind of keep things a little sane because you know, this space can get really intense sometimes and it could be really heavy. Um, I love to just read, dive into books. I love knowledge. I love just expanding my mind, trying to find new things. I consider myself just your average dude away from all this stuff, man. You know, uh, like you said, we can kind of get a perception of how people are uh, through a screen and through kind of how they portray themselves on social media, and a lot of that is who I am. But then when you get to like the interpersonal level in conversations like this, you do lose a bit of that edge, right? As you kind of humanize people and you get away from a, uh, you get away from that scene. So I'll keep it simple, man. If I was really to reduce myself down to something, I'm just a guy who loves sandwiches. Seriously.
0: People just think a guy I'm good. love sandwiches. Okay. So just a black dude that likes tacos and just a white dude that loves sandwiches. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Um my next intense question. These are like the only ones I only like rehearse like three questions every time. I already asked you to tell us a little bit about yourself. My next question is on my super intense um scholastic question is if you had to pick a favorite Disney princess, what Disney princess would that be?
1: Ooh. My first thought went to Cinderella, but I don't know if that's actually who I'd pick, man. I like Belle. Belle's pretty cool, but I'll be honest, I only watched like the classic Dizies. I haven't watched like the last ten to fifteen years, of, like newer stuff that's come out. Um, I'd probably go with Belle though from Beauty and the Beast. I think that's who I go with.
0: Alrighty, alrighty, and let's just let's hope that you're not cooler than me by any means. Um, if you had to pick a starter six Pokemon set to go against the elite four what starter six would they be oh
1: gosh this is where i'm gonna lose some credibility with so many people so like how do i pick this like what like the starter <laughs> six like do i like go i go with like the original show do i get to pick a few pokemon you or? pick
0: any six you want i had somebody pick like six Mewtwo's. i thought that was a little uh overkill but yeah uh, this is completely i don't know about that you.
1: i mean i think pikachu you got to go with i think i got to go with pikachu just a classic there um, Charizard, I got to go with for sure. Char- the big three there: Charizard, Blastoise. I'm gonna go with it. Dude, you gotta help me. Is it Ivys- Ivysaur, or Venusaur? Which one's the third? I think it's Venusaur. I'm gonna go with Venusaur there. pikachu's my fourth. I would go with Mew before Mewtwo, but I don't think either one of them. Maybe uh, what were those? Uh, the three like the legendary birds, like uh the legendary birds, man. Like the um, jeez Louise, I'd want to go with one of them. What's the dragon one see? What's that dragon one that can never see it? It's always flying around. It's like kind of like a myth, but not a myth. Might go with him. Those are the four I'd start with. And then I'd have to probably pick two of the uh, like legendary uh, those legendary birds that have like I think one's snow, like like ice, one's electricity, and one's fire. I could be wrong about um, that. Um
0: so the frozen one is Articuno, Moltres is fire, Zapdos is the thunder one. So yeah.
1: Articuno for sure. Out of those three, I'm definitely gonna go with Articuno. And I already got Pikachu. I already got see, maybe I'll okay, I'm just gonna go with Articuno then, because that kind of rounds it out with the big three with Pikachu. I got five, and then maybe Mew. I go with Mew, maybe that's my six.
0: All right. alrighty righty then. That, first off you pass because most people, they just, it, which is funny because I always tell people, Hey, please just review my content a little bit. Cause I'm going to ask, this is the same thing I ask everybody. So every time they get caught off guard, I'm like, you did that to yourself. You didn't study before you came here. So that's on you. Uh, so like I said, um, one of the things that I look to do because I'm like, like ever since i saw you you know your polarizing takes i say polarizing not to be um a contrarian by any means cuz i do appreciate um <clears throat> i do appreciate like your thoughts especially in this fight to dismantling white supremacy at the same time i kind of want to get to know the people that are like you know essentially fighting for my black skin that's a that's just something that you know i'd like to establish some sense of intimacy with these people with people that are doing this work And also at the same time, provide you the time and space to kind of share your story. So, you know, as far back as you can remember, tell us the early stages of a young Matt.
1: So this one's kind of interesting, right? So like my whole like kind of start with like activism, with uh, politics, with human rights. It begins with my dad. That's the easy starting point uh, because he's from Iran. And he was active against the Shah when he was young in the 1970s. And then after the Islamic revolution, he really stepped up his activism against the Iranian regime, which is still in power now. Um, so it starts with that because he was forced to flee the country because he tried to support things like democracy, uh, you know, human rights, uh, secular government, things like that. And that doesn't fly over there. And so uh, his life was at risk, and I'm not going to go too much in the details there if, if you're interested, we can, but he was able to escape the country, and he maintained that fight even here. And so he helps, like, a grassroots movement, uh, the Organization of Iranian-American Communities, and they support the NCRI, which is the National Council of Resistance of Iran. And that's a lot of things they do, right? Demonstrations, protests, trying to highlight legislation as it relates to Iran and things like that. So from a really young age, I was kind of confronted with this to some extent. And I always enjoyed, like, listening to their conversations, like, from, like, eight to nine and up, you know, I didn't always get it, but I liked being in that sphere even when I was young. And so that had a pretty big influence on me. And I realized early on, you know, uh, just seeing the kind of mainstream media take, corporate media take, Uh, the way our government talked about Iran and some of of my dad's groups and stuff, I realized it was just lies, man, outright lies. And then you get to a certain point where you realize, you know, you kind of get a little older and your perspective kind of expands like, well, if they're lying about my people, they're probably lying about other people too. And it starts to make you at some point kind of question, dig more into the narratives you see across like demographics and countries and ethnicities and things of that nature. So,
0: Gotcha. So you said, I think I remember seeing that on one of your um, videos, you were saying like, in one of your tiktoks i think you said like your dad was on the way to being executed um it was either he had to choose between like essentially fall in line or be executed um he chose the latter um and then um and it's not to say that this is farce by any means or say that this is made up um but it you said that he if I'm if I'm quoting you correctly, he essentially you know made a a pretty close relationship with a guard essentially, and he was able to save his skin. Um, that's um that's pretty dude. powerful. If you want to talk a little I bit, I can about expand
1: that. on that. I can totally expand on that. Yeah, yeah. So this guard was actually someone he'd gone to college with in India. So when he was uh, 17 to 18, he left Iran to go to school in India, uh, in Bangalore, and he was there for four years, and of course met various people and whatnot, and he came back to Iran, you know, established his businesses in
0: What the heck? Hey, hold up. Hold up. We lost him, guys. Hold on, guys. We're waiting for him. I'm trying to make sure he comes back. What happened? One second, guys. Um, it looks like he might have just dropped. He has a bat. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Appreciate the <laughs> appreciate the filler. Um, he will come back. I would assume so, because he was in it. He was really, really getting into it. So Hey, everybody. You said Northern Northern California Internet. I mean, I don't know anything about California. Um, While we're waiting on Brother Matt to come back, why don't everybody that's in the comment section um, let me know where you are watching this from. Um, It does happen with you guys. I mean, I kind of understand that. I live near a base, and every time that, like, they test bombs around here, they knock things out of... They knock my bandwidth out, a sink, and everything like that. So it's wild. Um, But... While I'm waiting for him to come back, why don't everybody tell us where you're um tell us where you are watching this from? Uh give this video a thumbs up, like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. Oh, there he is. This there's, there's this man with his beautiful curls. What you, happened, man?
1: You love to see it, man. They don't want the message to get out, I guess. So or Google <laughs> Chrome does a Google Chrome thing sometimes. Um, but yeah, so back to, to kind of continue from where we're at. So he he met the guard actually originally in school in India. And so this was years later. And the way this works in, the, in Iran, man, um, you can get arrested for anything if you don't uh, fall in line with the regime. Right. I mean, it's simple. And like I said, I give a really easy example, but it could be as simple as just having an opposition newspaper, no matter your age, no matter your background, things like that. And you're not going to get a hearing. You're not going to have any kind of judicial system that's like fair. Right. In any sense. Um, so there's no uh, no ability to actually like, argue for yourself or say, like, why you had this or anything like that. Not that it would matter to them. Right. And so. He was in prison and basically this guard at his own risk did help him escape and he was forced to flee the country, man. He was forced to flee the country. He went to Turkey and he was able to come over here. He came to this country with uh, $50, no English. Uh, we had uh, um, my uncle who lived in Sacramento who he was able to crash with and kind of have some support in that sense. And, and that's the hard part about this country is... Because you're confronted with the reality of what it does abroad and obviously here but then at the same time i also saw what it afforded him to some extent right because he did kind of start with nothing and like i hate to feed him that bootstrap narrative but to some degree he was able to make something for him here and that's why like i really admire him because um i have i think i have more anger and animosity towards his country for what it did to him and his country than he does sometimes or he's just hella zen man uh you know like you said you've seen kind of my polarizing tanks and stuff like that i don't have like his ability to be calm about his own story even but uh yeah that was kind of what the position he was was confronted with because the way it worked there is there's kind of three levels within the uh prisoner jails of how it worked they would have people who they knew were going to flip or just and it's nothing wrong it's nothing wrong with this man because the the torture and the conditions you're under it's like it would break almost anybody right so there's nothing wrong like i'm not like judging people who did flip but they would have people who they knew were going to flip and they would try to use them against the people kind of the middle they weren't sure about and there's the people who are really resolute and um like i've talked about in some of the videos in 1988 they killed 30,000 plus alone um and about a three month uh span there was a fatwa from the ayatollah which is pretty much just a religious decree and 99 90 percent uh, of the people who were killed were part of the mek which was the group he supported right the al majority but there were others people who were like you know marxist uh, communist different groups uh, opposition groups things of that nature um but he was resolute man he was really resolute in his beliefs um it's kind of what ostracized him from his family and things early on and um it's A standard, like I said, I always try to live up to because uh, I think most of us, if we have like a father figure or someone in our lives who's a good impact on us, you know, we really admire them. And um, as I've gotten older, I don't like the like the light doesn't shine off. You know what I'm saying? Like as I get older, I just admire him more and more. And um, I try to meet that standard and I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to, but it's something I try to do because I want to, you know, honor everything he's taught me and everything he's done in his own life. And um, yeah, man. So.
0: Um, how early was your, um, I would say like your old man sharing like these stories of like his, I would say like his journey, you know, leaving his homeland, then coming here. How early was he like breaking off these stories essentially to you?
1: Yeah. I'd say about fifth, sixth grade was I really starting like, under, when
0: I was really starting to understand
1: them to some extent. So
0: you're about 11, 11 yeah. or 12 ish essentially. So, okay. Yeah.
1: 10, Yeah.
0: Cool. So one thing that I'm curious about, like I said, it's it's one thing that one thing I always ask, like, especially when I have people from my community or like, you know, different people of color that come on this um, platform. I always ask them, when did they know what their skin tone meant to them or when they realized they were, I don't know, black in this country, Hispanic in this country, fill in this person of color here. When did you know America? wasn't america with a c but america with three k's like this country wasn't as upright as it is commercialized to be when did that become a reality to you
1: there were three different moments man um one really individual where i kind of realized something ugly about myself um i'll kind of talk about two of those there was the moment so the the group my dad supported this was pretty early man um the group my dad supported was labeled a terrorist group by the state department and various entities as pretty much a geopolitical game to get people to come to the table and like i'm like wait my dad's not a terrorist like he's not a bad person they don't want bad things so that was kind of a moment right and like the cognitive dissonance and the propaganda and indoctrination from school and media is so strong that they're still like you still fuck with america though like i still fuck with america though right it's like this weird little kind of you know thing in your head and then i had this moment and um i'll be real about this when I was younger, they would talk about the demographic shift and it used to bother me. And I couldn't identify why that bothered me, right? Because people talk about it in our conservative town and stuff. And you're like, yeah, this is not good. And then like you get older and you're like, wait, why is that not good? You get to kind of just explore the thought and you realize, whoa, I wouldn't want to be the minority in this country. Why is that? And you start to look into that feeling more and more, mm. right? And then um, this one, and I don't even like to talk about it because it's like it's embarrassing and it's like gross, but all, it's it's real. I was at community college early on american river college here in sacramento and um it was a pretty diverse campus sacramento is fairly diverse and um there's this black dude he would show up pretty late to class oftentimes and i never really thought much of it and he was always really quiet like really quiet and it was a philosophy class and then one day he just rose his hand to make a point i can't remember specifically what it was because it's been about 10 years now and he dropped some knowledge dude like it just was a great take and i remember being surprised and at first, I want to tell myself, "Oh, I think it's because he was, uh, you know, like always late and stuff like that." And but then I realized I'm making so many assumptions about that. I think I was surprised because of the color of his skin. Like, I like that hmm. was a thought in my head. Like, I realized is that why it was. And I think that was a moment for me personally where I was like, "Shit, dude, I have some pretty fucked up views on stuff," and I got to start to like explore that because it left me with an un- like I felt uncomfortable upon like my surprise. You know, I was like, "Why am I surprised by that?" Because I like wasn't sure I'd have been surprised by someone else doing that. And then the moment it really hit for me, I mean, there was things like Donald Trump, right? His election, like the rhetoric stuff. But like the moment it finally like just hit, hit to the point where like I want to actually actively stand up and do something about this shit was uh, his commentary about the squad, man. Uh, when he was commenting about the squad and going back to their own country, I mean, his- Talk boasts- a little
0: bit about, because I don't think people uh, amidst of everything that 45 kind of- um, yeah in this um in this term but talk a little bit about um that because i don't think people realize like the much of an impact that specifically had um the rhetoric and how dangerous that was and who it fueled essentially dude that was
1: kind of it because like i grew up in a what i now know to be like a really racist town man like and it's not like from my perspective like there's kind of two kinds of like racism I, i feel like i run into now and there's people who like don't think they're racist, right? Like I didn't think I had racist beliefs, but now looking back, I realized that I did and possibly do, right? You're always trying to deconstruct these things. But like the town wasn't overt, but you would say things like, for example, like the certain pivots about like statistics on crime, right? Or outcomes or things of that nature. But the thing that specifically did it, man, was the uh when he was talking about the squad, the four members, uh, four ladies of color, and he said that they need to go back to their country and um you know, fix things there. And three of them were born here. So it's like what are you determining? Like, what are you looking at that makes you think they have to go back to their country? And like that just hit me, man. Cause so I was like, I've heard that, like, I've heard that same line with like my dad and things like that when he's standing up for things and like and things of that nature. And that just like And I think that was a really sad moment, too, because I was like, I think people have to actually like get slapped with this personally to some extent for them to really understand it. And I feel like not a lot of people can get slapped by it personally if they attach a certain level of um, whiteness to this dude. And so those comments there did it, man. When he talked about the both sides at uh, Charlottesville, that was just like, what are we talking about? Like. I mean, so like it, it really forced you to figure out what side do I want to be on all this, man? Like it's, it's enough. to it's, it's not enough to know. Right. You have to actually fucking start to feel it and really give a fuck about it. And those moments were just like too much to like ignore and like not want to involve myself within this to some capacity and try and learn more and see how I could help. Um, so that's kind of that's the story I go through
0: yeah i i feel that um one, one of the comments somebody left in here is we are all ingrained with an implicit bias whether we realize it or not even myself like and like i can relate to this for myself is because of like how media portrays the black experience very early i started profiling and policing myself to the point i had anti-blackness in me very early um it's very easy because one we live in a country like for me specifically we live in a country where They want you not to nurture your blackness and they want you to demonize it while at the same time they're demonizing your blackness to like people um, with your upbringing and everything like that with your pigmentation that it becomes so implicit and so covert opposed to overt that it just seems normal. It's until we have to actually challenge these biases when we realize, oh, this is a problem. And then I think we all have some sense of a moral responsibility to make a decision at that point. It's whether we're going to be outraged by this bias or we're going to comply and just fall in line with these biases.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Like you said, you kind of have that decision, and it's the outrage or the comply. And obviously, it's it's the outrage because, like, as you learn more and more, like, I I don't think I'm going to ever fully be able to like completely grasp just how harmful and just how destructive this country has been to certain communities. Like, even like when I consider how harmful it's been to like my country, like you can't, I can't compare like our foreign policy to what we've done to people within these borders in our history. And um, as I get older and older, dude, it just gets sicker and sicker. And like, I always grew up, you grew up in a sphere. Like we, we can, cons- like we conservatives, right. I grew up conservative, like my mom's side of the family and stuff. And, like you consider yourselves like facts over feelings. And, like, all oh, we really care about like, logic and stuff like that. But like, if you really fuck with that, right, and then you actually start to come across the facts and the data and reports from our own, like, you know, government entities and stuff like that, dude, it's just, I guess to a point where it's so undeniable and then, like, when you, like, try and talk to people you grew up with who you thought would be, like, receptive, so, like, you know, because, like, you grew up with your friends and family and stuff and you think, like, oh, I'm learning about this, like, let me try and, like, help them learn about this and when you see just how entrenched some people are, it just makes you more fucking angry, like, and I don't, like, it. it's just, yeah, man, like, I don't, <laughs> like that that's been the hardest part and like it's just like people i grew up with who like i thought would kind of be able to learn along the way with me seeing so many of them not want to learn like not at all like there's no ability to even concede like you said like they're just so willing to comply with it and they just stay so entrenched with the uh, the narratives and the stereotypes and the propaganda um it's depressing dude you know like it's actually depressing cuz like you grew up thinking like these are like good people and stuff and you have a hard time reconciling like like if they are good people or if they are redeemable like cuz these are fucked up beliefs you know so
0: yeah i feel that for sure it's um it's like for me especially having um having many many people that were in the military of my family from grandfathers to my actual biological father um many cousins friends that you know that and even like this it's weird even like this obligation when I meet like service members and I'm just like thank you for your service but then I'm also like to what expense you know what I'm saying like who like you you're, for our betterment to somebody else's detriment there is that that weird reservation where for myself it's like I don't know if I want to take pride in this because it's like and even like and I think I've heard you speak about this is like you know essentially they're thugs for america but it's all about you know especially given like if they're trying to make it out um of a certain like environment or circumstances it's like what else are we supposed to do it's um it's unfortunate dog it 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 really really is and i can only imagine like i mean obviously i have my own reservations um with this country as you know as american of african descent um but you you're the child of a well you're the son of a refugee. So I can only imagine like what impact that has on you personally.
1: Yeah, man, that goes back to the weird part. Cause like this country, like is the reason why he had to flee his homeland to some extent. And then this country also provided him a space with which to flee. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, and that's a contradiction. Like, and that's not a contradiction that like, because I like contradictions. Like, when you play with ideas, you try to reconcile things. And there's, like, an area to kind of uh, explore things. That's one I, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to, like, reconcile. Um, because that's the tough part. The tough part is, like, you like Because I know, like, you know, growing up, we're like, the Pledge of Allegiance and all that jazz, right? And even then, like, from a young age, even, like, beyond all this stuff, I'm, like, I don't know that I love this stuff, right, it seems kind of weird, like, you know, like, I love my parents, you know, I love, like, soccer, I love my friends and stuff, I don't know that I, like, love that flag or, like, I love this country, it's, like, a weird concept, even to me as a young person, and then, like, when you start to get older and you hear your father and his family stories and friends like that, right, and then it really gets harder, but I, I don't, I don't know, like, it goes back to what you're saying, man, like, I can't, like, I can't do that anymore like this July 4th like for the first time ever like the previous July 4th um, I didn't celebrate the 4th Uh, like I didn't do anything like active against it I just didn't celebrate it like I didn't go meet with people or do anything party wise like I just was like I don't I don't celebrate this day dude. there's nothing like I don't I don't feel pride in this country like I don't feel like attachment to this country like don't get me wrong I think like some of the ideals written out like if we could actually achieve that for people like right like that would be amazing um but this year like for the first time i actively like i actually did something anti on the fourth because like i i really don't dude like i really you can't like you just brought it up like the military service stuff like it's not just about this nation even because like we can dive into all that but like dude we're a hyperpower that impacts the entire globe you know like we have military bases across like 70 percent of the globe and like so all the things that we have like that space that was provided for my dad what was the cost like you just brought up like what's the cost of all that so even like the good shit you can point to here. Like, the cost is just too much. And so, um, yeah, man. And I get angrier and angrier as you learn more and more. And as you hear more people's experiences. And that's the other thing that really kills me, man. It's, like, as you like as you learn more about people's experience, like, how can you, like, just dismiss that? Like, I, like that's, like, that's something I don't understand. Because I feel like if you have any level of, like, empathy within you, right? If someone talks about, like, what this country's done to them and, like, why, like, shouldn't that be enough to, like, at least fucking pause? you know, like make you consider, so.
0: Yeah, it's, um that's one of the things I just brought up this quote by James Ball, when American history is is longer, larger, more various, more beautiful, more terrible than anything anyone has ever said about it. It's because for you to really appreciate everything that America, that she has given us, you gotta appreciate or you gotta recognize what America has stolen from other people. And that's where I would say, it also makes you realize the human experience a little bit more too, because you got to think of what are these hurdles that I really had to come up against and were these hurdles and were these stepping stones that I used to walk on, who did I have to step on to get here too? So it's, um, eh, it, 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 I mean, it, that's why we call America her at the end of the day. It, America really is more, the, it's more of a human trait. If you really think about it, um, the things that come with it, humanistic selfish traits that we all implicitly have it's more so are we going to challenge them and be better of it or be better despite of it um or are we going to give in i would say but yeah it's it's dicey (laughs) definitely definitely dicey
1: i mean you just kind of hit it there right like uh the human traits that it kind of brings out and um and those are in everyone right i think like no matter who you are like whatever the trait or the characteristic or the behavior there's like spectrum and we all fall there sometimes somewhere um and in certain environments or certain conditions or certain systems it's going to even draw those things out more, right? And I think that's one of the most telling things uh in conversations lately is I really listen to how people uh the claims they make about human nature. Cause I think oftentimes they're telling a lot about themselves. Um, they're telling a lot about what they think about systems, whether they realize it or not. And so like this system, dude, it breeds apathy, dude, it breeds ignorance, it breeds complicity, right? It breeds like this level of false pride. Because to that point, like I know, man. I, I mean, I know now you talk to people and they talk about history. Like, oh, we won. Okay. Like, what does that even mean? Like, actually, like, dive into that. Like, like, how could you, like, you, that quote you just said, right? How could you reduce that down to winning? You know? Like, because, like, winning implies, like, it, yeah. Like, how could you reduce that down to winning? It, It's like, uh, like, you can't. Like, obviously, you can because a lot of people in this country do. But you can't reduce that down to winning because first that makes it out like I mean it makes sense though, right? Because like this country is a hyperpower. And I guess um if you're a part of this and you're proud of it, you're going to be proud of even the bad aspects. So maybe that's it. Maybe they just really do love the power and the power that comes with that and what that affords
0: us. So I don't know, man. Yeah, it's wild. It's it's wild to say the least. Um somebody posted something in the comments. It said da-da-da-da-da where to go where to go where to go um and how Christianity portrays and demonizes Arab nations using indoctrination so there was something i wanted to talk to you about um it was a tiktok i think i commented underneath it and i completely understood what you were saying i wish i could find it and if somebody knows which one i'm talking about please send it to my um send it to my social there was one where you were talking about i think it was well we know this when it comes to these political parties especially like when we're talking about the right um they guys religion and spirituality or be more specifically and call us a pig a pig and a spade a spade they guys and use christianity as a cloak to mask their i would say toxic patriot um patriotism and then to hide behind it to you know excuse their racism their xenophobia their um you name it, and I remember you took a huge stance. You were not so much huge, but I never heard somebody say something like this. You're like, Look, I got no problem with Jesus, Jesus is fine, it's the Christians I got beef with, essentially. Uh, did you want to kind of dive into that a little bit, especially um, with what this comment said as well? Um, especially, I think you said your dad is from Iran, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, talk to me a little bit about what you know to be. I would say, like, American Christianity and maybe um, what turbulence you may have had to experience and the impact that this had on you specifically, um, given being the son of a refugee as well.
1: So it's kind of uh, interesting, right? So, like, being from Iran, my dad's, like, fundamental fight, which is something that's obviously really shaped me, as you can probably tell by now, is against, like, what we would call Islamic fundamentalism and and so, like, from a young age, I was never, uh, and my mom came from a Catholic background that wasn't the greatest, right? So, from a really young age, I you wasn't said
0: Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. There it is. There it is, right? Oh, I'm my so- God. <laughs>
1: facts dude that's always it too and so that's the thing though right so they both came from like these i would call um spaces that were really religious uh really toxic with religion anyways and so i wasn't forced like they were that was never forced on me and my uh my family in that sense in our sphere we didn't we didn't have to go to church like we didn't have to like have that conversation it wasn't like oh like you have to believe in this um my dad maintained his own level of spirituality and beliefs right he uh he considers himself muslim still and he uh practices in his own way I know my mom still believes in a a entity like a deity of some kind uh, that she would call God, right? But they both do. They both have a very individual um, way about it, and so I was really free to explore in that sense. Um, But I grew up in a town that is pretty religious, right? There's you know a lot of churchgoers and stuff. And from Break a that down age,
0: geographically for me, for, for the, for the internet, I don't know where so we're I'm from.
1: About. Yeah. So I'm from West coast, a California area. If you just drive like 30 minutes up from Sacramento towards like the Tahoe region, kind of more East, uh, more Eastward, right. It just gets more rural and rural. And so I wasn't quite in like a rural area, but I'm getting kind of close to there where you're like five to 10 minutes up, you get into like your stereotypical conservative space, right? The lifted trucks, your big old, like, you know, don't tread on me flags, your Confederate flag, stuff like that. Even out in California, you, you have them in some spaces, right? Um, and They're like
0: Confederate flags in Cali?
1: In some spaces, dude, yeah, up like in the Placerville area and stuff, it's not like a huge number, like you do, like you would in the South. But yeah, man, there's a pockets up here uh, that absolutely are influenced by um, just white supremacy, straight up, like out overt white supremacy, right? Um, and so, again, like not having to be confronted with religion, and then seeing the way that some people would talk about certain things, have certain conversations, but then fall back to, well, I go to church on Sundays, or I do this. And it's just like, hmm, like, I'm not sure that that erases the things that you're saying or the things that you're doing. But I was never in that sphere. And I got to a point where um, I was a pretty arrogant atheist, where I was like, you know, fuck all religion, you know, pardon me, I shouldn't say it. F all religion. Um, and all, Oh, dude, all the- please
0: don't look, man, I, I invited <laughs> I invited you here because I know you not to censor yourself. Plus, my beliefs, I'm a Christian, I police my own tongue. Please your tongue to your to your to the best of your ability, but don't censor yourself on my behalf. All right. You're more than fine. All good. All good.
1: Appreciate it. But I did hit that kind of arrogant stage, man, where you think you know everything, right? Like I was 18 to like, we'll call it 21. I thought I know everything. I was like, oh, there couldn't be a God and stuff like that. And then uh, something to help was just uh, my dad became more open to talking about his own views, for example, because it wasn't something we ever really talked about. He knew how I felt about religion and stuff. And just hearing him kind of talk about like how he still maintained his level of spirituality and his beliefs, despite how certain aspects of his religion had harmed him, right? I'm not gonna say his religion, but people who followed it. And that's what helped me start to distinguish between the beliefs, right? The the literature, um, and the followers. And that's why I've come to a point where like I don't think like religion's like some like necessary evil, like like the evil thing or something like that. I just think like anything people can become really dogmatic in whatever it is they attach themselves to, like be it their faith, their religion, their ideology, their philosophy, their politics, right? Um kind of lost where we're going with this man. But you know, and so to go, okay. I got the TikTok where I was talking about. Uh, Jesus, that kind of where I, get, I came full circle. Where I was like, you know what? Like, I don't actually have an issue with like the idea of God. I don't have an issue with the idea of Jesus. Like, he was teaching good things. You know, like he was teaching really good things. Like his message was sound, in my opinion. You know, like what's wrong with loving your neighbor? What's wrong with trying to help the poor? What's wrong with trying to educate people and provide shelter and food and things of this nature? What's wrong with going at corporatists and stuff like that? Right? I don't see what's wrong with that. But then just like actually reading, like or like hearing his lessons and then seeing how. The followers here—not everyone, right? Like, because your like, like there's a lot of good uh, people who have religious backgrounds, uh, but seeing how so many people utilize that as like a tool to judge and to condemn mm-hmm. others, but then they don't follow the very lessons they claim to, to believe in—I was like, this is a huge fucking problem because it allows you this moral perch that's just how do you—you you can't strike someone down from a moral perch they think is unassailable, no matter how uh, contradictory it, it appears from where we're standing. So.
0: Yeah, and then not even that, but then it's um I always tell people always always tell people like th- like even like what you just did and that speaks to like that speaks to what how American um, Christianity is is like for instance like I'm a Christian, you're not. You know what I'm saying? That's completely fine. You automatically felt the need to like I would say like apologize for how you talk. I'm like no no no. You you're good. But that's because in this country to be american is to be christian i hear somebody also say to be ties to be buddhist when it becomes something that's tied to society and the government that's when i would say it gets a little tricky um because not everybody not not so much that it's not tailor-fitted for everybody but it's just that bro i don't want nobody trying to put clothes on me i ain't asked them for and not even that how do you know if i'm not allergic to the fabrics you're putting on my skin you know what I'm saying? So it's really weird when we have that. And then we do have people that use religion. And I will say religion because Jesus was sent to disrupt religion. I don't consider myself a religious person. It's it's dangerous when people do make something, try to make it a curriculum, and then they use it as a vehicle to, I would say, sponsor their bigotry in a sense. And we've seen that so much with this country um, we've seen that with, Ro- with Roe v. Wade where they didn't want you know people to get abortions and stuff like that. But then we don't even talk about how Planned Parenthood was literally made by a pseudo-white supremacist to essentially cleanse the black community and everything that comes with that. Um, they don't talk about how they you know they want to have Planned Parenthood in these Christ-centered um, situations where, or just institutions that hold these places up but they also have Christ centered people inside of these like institutions that black and brown people can't go to, you know, these PWIs, you slap a St. John's and everything. So we have seen so many examples in this country where people, I can't even say that they took the gospel and aligned it with America. Cause I don't think they ever did personally. Slavery, enough said. Um, <laughs> But I think when you take the name of Christ and then you try to hijack it into something that has turned into essentially America. That's what the problem is. I had a modern warrior, AKA Lance on here on, I think it was Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. And he said, I don't, he said, I don't, he said, I'm cool with Christly Christians. I don't like Christian Christians, you know, let my Christians, let Christians be Christly. I'm cool with that. When you're Christian, that doesn't really tell me anything because Christians stormed the Capitol. Uh, Jesus probably would have stopped people from storming the Capitol. Or better yet, Jesus would have just not tried to... I don't know how to describe it. He wouldn't have aligned himself to the government because his efforts were never supposed to be that mainstream or that grandiose, if that makes sense. So it's it's upsetting. It's upsetting because it's supposed to be something that's personal. It's intimate. But then it turns into something that is tyranny and dictatorship-ish, essentially. And that's essentially why... It's hard, not so much hard to be a Christian, because I don't think we'll ever be the persecuted in this country necessarily. But I do think it is hard to get people to understand that's not what it's supposed to be, though. I have to acknowledge the bigotry that comes with people that say I'm a Christian before. So I get it. But yeah, uh, Jesus is cool. Christians, eh. Yeah, i can i can do without <laughs>
1: and you just hit it man because like i know like again i wasn't religious growing up but i grew up in a space where people still think like oh america was founded upon judeo-christian beliefs and stuff like that it's like i thought we were founded upon secularism you know it's like what are you talking about and that's why like the conflation like it's so difficult because you'll see like a ron DeSantis say like oh like we're doing this because of like our religion here like they explicitly state it and it's like it's like, dude, these are, these are two separate things. Like the way you run a government, which includes all people and the way you run your daily personal individual life, like you said, based upon your beliefs are two separate things. And that was a tough part too, right? Cause like you, like we were talking about like how this country uh, makes you think about uh, various groups and beliefs and stuff like that. Right. So from my dad's side of the stories I heard, I had this dislike of Islam, right? But then also being in this country, I had a dislike of Islam, right? So. What was really eye-opening for me, too, was uh, encountering and, talk, like I said, talking to my dad more, but talking to um, uh, Muslims who had really just open uh, beliefs on those who, like, for example, like, they didn't care that I was atheist, right? They didn't care that I didn't believe. They say, oh, you know, like, within, like, true believers within this space, like, there's room for anyone, They be it Christian, Jewish, Muslim, um, you know, Hindu, it doesn't matter, Um you know, they would, they would say like, this is a space for everybody. So, and that things like that, right. Running to people like you, right. Who like have like, what I say, like, like a good Christian, right. Like who have like, like sound beliefs, like who really follow the word, like that, that's really helped you. It really helped me kind of, uh, get past some of the arrogance I had towards, uh, religion.
0: Yeah. It's, um, something that one of my, I had did an interview like late last year and somebody said, think of, um, your spirituality, like you're smoking in the car. You don't want to hotbox everybody else that's not comfortable with you smoking in a car. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're supposed to be the one inhaling it. You're the one that lit it up. It's when you try to trap everybody else in it, and then when you're like, okay, now you have to inhale this. If you just give it, it won't be that bad. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's where it becomes dangerous because we should be able to just cope. We should, emphasis on should, be able to coexist. But when one becomes as you said dogmatic and becomes militant to other people's detriment it's no longer a personal it's no longer a personal walk it it's dogmatic essentially and it's it's just nasty i think it's nasty and like i got muslim partners i got partners that do not even kidding i got people that are into hinduism i got buddhist friends um i'm still trying to understand some of my mormon friends that's besides the point they're weird um (laughs) but I, but we but we know to know is like, look, I'm trying to get to my version of heaven. You're trying to get your version of heaven or paradise. And let's just not put each other through hell while we're on earth together. And I think that we'll I think we'll be all right. But we shall see. We'll see well, if we get this human thing right. We all
1: believe in something bigger than ourselves, right? Like even like the devout atheists. And like I said, I, I've come a long way. Like I'm forced to commit, right? I call myself an atheist. I'm probably more agnostic, right? Because I, I don't fucking know, man. I don't know when it comes down to it, right? Like I these are things that are far beyond my knowledge or understanding. So, like, I have my beliefs and I have my thoughts, but I've become really comfortable with the idea that, like, I'm not going to ever really know, probably. Um, but we all we all have faith in something bigger in ourselves. And one of the things that helped me was a conversation I had with my dad recently. Because for a long time, I'm going to kind of butch this a little bit, but the story of Isaac and Abraham, I always kind of flip it. But basically, you know... Um, you know it's kind of a test of his faith right to kill his son and then eventually like he's going to follow through and then the angel comes down and stops him i was always like my takeaway from a young age is like yo like this is kind of weird like wouldn't you rather someone like no matter what the authority figure they have faith in like stand up against what's clearly a wrong than just follow through on faith and then my dad's like you know take it for not a, like a literal story but take it for a metaphor and he goes he goes i think like a lot of things like like religion at their like purist and like beliefs like this at their purists are really just like mechanisms for social justice and a better world for people if truly followed, right? It goes back to the discre- like discrepancy between Christians and um, people who follow Christ, right? And he's like, so think of this as a metaphor for social justice and how there's nothing too big to sacrifice for a better world for people, like, right, a better world for humanity. And I was like, oh, shit, light bulb moment, you know? I was like, okay, let's kind of, uh, kind of open my eyes up a little bit more. So there's little things like that that have just uh, really changed my perspective on religion and kind of humbled me within all that and to the point where... um. Like once upon a time, I'd been a little nervous about having this conversation, right? Like, oh, I don't know. But like when I saw the background, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm kind of excited. I hope we kind of touch on this to some, some degree because I'm sure I'll be able to kind of maybe pick your brain and learn a little bit about your perspective and your beliefs, right? So.
0: Yeah, it's – um, it, and I think like it's always funny like when people engage me on this because they're like, oh, gosh, what kind of a Christian am I dealing with? I'm not one of those like half black conservatives. I'm not one of those people. I'm politically agnostic, by the way. So I don't align with either political party. They're both trash. They just are, they're just awful. I mean, like literally awful because they both get paid by the same people. They're going to be at the same, <laughs> they're still going to get coffee at the same places while we're over here fighting over scraps. That's just me. Um, I just want to treat people good at the end of the day, which is what's going to lead me to the next um, segment, or I would say subject matter of our conversation is when we're talking about the importance, I would just say the importance of social justice. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what was that light bulb moment or what was that, I would say, like, what gave you the activism itch? Because I always tell people, once you get into this work, it is some hard work to get into. But once you catch the bug, you feel you feel good about yourself in a sense. You're like, you know what, I'm doing something right, though this is hard. Um, talk to me a little bit about what was it for you that said, I got to do something and I got to go against the grain a little bit. What was that for you, brother?
1: Uh, the specific moment that first came to mind, when you asked that question was to 2010. Um, at that point in time, I was graduating high school around then. And I went to Paris, with my dad for an event for the uh, Iranian resistance and there was tens of thousands of people there. And I remember at one point the speech was being given. I kind of looked around and there were so many people of different races, ethnicities, religions, all these things. Really just one race, right? But like different skin colors, I should say. And it was like, I struck like ages, everything, dude. Like just like such a diverse group of people all there for just one thing, freedom. Like we just wanted a better world for everybody. And I was like, yo, this is powerful. Like this is such a powerful feeling. Like I want to keep being in this space. I want to keep trying to contribute to this. And then the second one was a same type of event in 2018. There was nearly a hundred thousand people at an event in Paris, um, you know, against the regime and the regime tried to bomb that event. And I remember thinking like not being like afraid, not being bothered by that, but like feeling angry as, cause again, it was the same type of space with like elderly, with young, with like everybody you could imagine there. Right. And I was like, this is like this is literally how evil some of the things that were up against are where they would they would literally try to attack an event like this with people like this here. Like there's this like just a complete lack of regard for life in any capacity. And it just was the point where like I'm never gonna back down. Like like you know what I'm saying, like, it's never this can never stop. Like this is a fight we always have to continue and push. Um and it goes back to like my dad, man. So much of this just is my dad. Um you know, he he a lot of people talk to talk. That dude walks the fucking walk. And so that's the standard I always want to meet. If anything, just to try and just make him like proud as a son, you know, just trying to live up to the standard. He sets. like I said, at the beginning. So
0: mm-hmm. do you think that because he had the standard set out of necessity for survival, that this has become a thing for you opposed to, cause I've noticed like, especially when we're talking about like, like for instance, like the, my, the black experience, you know, a lot of us are activism are activists because of necessity to preserve life and preserve our blackness in some sense. Do you feel like because of your dad's, um, story where he had to, you know, go against the grain for preservation that it, in a sense, it was passed down to you. Um, And this has become a little bit easier to adjust to.
1: Yeah, 100%. Because to your point, like, I don't actually have to be involved, right? Like, I'm not in that space. I never was in that space directly. So it's not right. something I ever had to do. And so like, once you do get to opt in, right. Because that's part of the thing is people can, some people who look like me, for example, this kind of, I can opt out of that conversation. I don't have to take part, right. There's, it's not the survival thing for me. Right. right. Um, and so to that end, it's like, you, you can't though, man. Cause once like you hear their stories and you, cause like it goes back to empathy, man. If you feel like when people tell their stories, you can hear the pain in their voice. You can see the pain in their eyes and you can feel that shit, dude. Like you can really feel that shit. And like, when you feel it, like, you can't walk away from it and then like again you start to think about other people and like other stories and how this country does it here and he, my dad started talking me about some of that stuff too he talked. he goes you know my fight's iran he goes but if it wasn't for iran my fight would be here with this system he goes it goes for me iran and then the system and it, and it, it's exactly that it's like because it dude it, it, it you have an obligation like if you're in a position where like you don't have to deal with these things and like you start to understand that like you benefit from these things or at least aren't outright harmed by these things and you know about it, like you have a fucking obligation to do something from a moral and ethical standpoint. And like, if you don't, it eats at you. Like it eats at you. At least it does for me. So like, I, I, you know,
0: I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, my brother, I, I feel compelled in my spirit to tell you this is, you know, um, and I don't know if your dad's living or not, but I just wanted to let you know that you are definitely your father's legacy. You know what I'm saying? Where like, I can tell, that you know what i'm saying like not even though he had to unfortunately grow up with this work out of necessity i will tell you that you are definitely your father's legacy man i, I think he if he it does, it hasn't said it already he's proud of you he sees a lot of himself in you just from um what i the little i do know and you've been able to share with us today man so i just wanted to give you your flower we give our flowers on here by the way you know what i'm saying so i just wanted to say that to you my brother for sure
1: I appreciate that, man. I'm really lucky he's still around. So I'm still learning from him every day. Um, So he's still he's still doing his thing. He's uh, actually excited. He's about to retire pretty soon from his engineering job. He's like, now I can go one hundred and ten percent all day long with uh, my activism and stuff. So um, I really appreciate that, man. Like, seriously, thank you. Like that's truly kind. So
0: no problem, man. No problem. Um, one thing that I think this will be interesting for other people to kind of pick your brain about because like I said, I like to humanize a lot of different content creators to some sense and degree. Um, what made you want to start mute the media? Like what was it for you that said like this is this is my vehicle, this is what's gonna look like, and this is how I'm gonna run it? Um, what made you start mute the media, or better yet, what what birthed mute the media, I would say? Um, that might be a way to kind of start from this.
1: So uh, I always kind of wanted to get into media, like I said, like growing up and just seeing like the way corporate media told the stories that impacted me. I was like, yo, this is all bullshit. So then you get to a space where I'm a communications major, about to be done with all that jazz. And so I really had an emphasis on mass media and just like kind of learning how. Uh, narratives are told, supported, how people and their behavior and like just actions are taken from all this. I wanted to impact that. And at first I thought I wanted to be like a journalist, man. I wanted to just go out there and expose and like, you know, tell the stories. And I realized like we live in a time where like disinformation travels so fast. I'm not sure truth is as relevant. But what I do know is we have to have a space for like people can tell their truth away from the corporate narratives, away from the oligarchs, away from the government stories um and that's what this is man i really want to create a platform that's a truly two-way space where people can talk about their experiences where people can talk about the real things can have honest and true discussions they can feel safe like you know kind of being authentic and transparent about themselves um because if we're really genuine and if we're really kind of fighting for the same things then that's a space where you can kind of be honest about the kind of negative aspects within you and grow and learn and so uh you know you study the uh, people of the past, and the reality is you need uh, a brand name and something that's going to kind of appeal to everybody on the surface, right? And I think a lot of people are sick of the media climate. I hear everyone will say, oh, the media does this, the media does that. Um, you hear how, like, some like Donald Trump weaponizes a term, like, you know, attacking the media, which, you know, is a fascist playbook, things like that. And I figure, you know what, fuck it, man. Let's mute the, let's mute the media. And within there's nuance to that, right? You can't actually mute media because we wouldn't be having this conversation then, right? Um, but really, it was just trying to imp- improve our media literacy, right, and just become better with how we utilize media because it is such an amazing tool. And we're going through a really massive paradigm shift in terms of information, how it ch- how it flows and how it impacts us as a society. And so I just wanted, to, you know, plant my flag in that scene and try to uh, make an impact and try and change things for the better there. So,
0: Yeah, and I've noticed, like, some of the examples that I've seen you guys do, I think it was last week, I think it was right after my interview with um, Lance, you guys were... I think you guys were like essentially broadcasting like a protest so is that like something that you guys normally do where you um amplify different like activists and when i say activism because i, I think a lot of people get it confused and i'm gonna say this publicly too um protest is like maybe two percent of the work i would say guys like cool hitting the streets that's fine activism is way more multi-layered than that but that's another concept that's another conversation for another day but that is that something that you like envision for yourself where it's like we want to help amplify different people that are doing doing um the work, hit boots to the ground essentially. Cause I thought that was shocking. Um, because I was just thinking, okay, this is gonna be something, because I've been, you know, checking you guys out for a little bit. Um, I thought it was gonna be like, oh, social commentary, you know, this is a way for us to challenge one another. But it's like, oh, they actually got people hitting the streets, like they're broadcasting that. Um, is that something that you've always envisioned um, with Mute the Media honestly man it wasn't like i
1: don't i didn't have like a hard plan it's just something as it kind of comes you know you try and kind of learn adjust and do things you think can help but something i did know is i wanted to help create a space where like people who didn't look like me could tell their stories and tell their experiences right because i have my story and my experience within a certain lane of life right but everyone has their story everyone has their experience so yeah if we can find people who are you know at the front lines of something if they have information that we know and we can amplify that and i can like kind of build a platform to help amplify things that kind of cut against the uh the corporate structure absolutely man like and that's something that was pretty cool like uh closet talk one-on-one um they were kind of at the front lines of like roscoe's chicken uh, about a month ago it uh, was going down there and they're like like it was a really cool thing to say uh, just like all these different kind of groups in a online sphere mobilize and turn it into actually real action on the ground in real life and so yeah if we can help people get their message out uh, absolutely man that is something like going for I'm trying to do more and more and um, that goes back to the people I have like running with me, man. people like Cheyenne, uh, who is the producer, Wonder Woman, right fighters in here right now. Carnage is in here, like, like really good people who like kind of alert us to stuff and like they make connections. And, like, hey, you know, someone's doing this right here. Can we try and help with that? And if we can, we want to, man, because it's about getting horizontal and kind of like connecting all of our various fights and all of our various you know, things that we're doing. So,
0: yeah, and I think that the, something like that is cool. I like to call like because I have something set up. I'm working on building and I've established with like different activists I've met whether in the streets or around the world, I call it like the pipeline. So it also, I would say that, and we can talk about this a little bit off camera, but it does create a sense of intimacy and community too, because it's like, okay, cool. I heard something like this is happening in this state. Instead of going there and stepping on somebody's toes, let me look and see if somebody's already got like something in motion. I can help get it across the finish line. It's a way of attaching the organism essentially to one another it's hey guys we got limbs over here we got limbs over here let's find a way to connect i think that's dope dude i think it's that's what's up that's what's up
1: appreciate it man like, like you just said and it's it is cool because like at the hardest it is about like hey, dude that's like i mean it's kind of cheesy but it's kind of at the heart of the, like human experience right it's just like communicating with one another like learning from like each other's experiences kind of getting to hear what people are tapped into and then you know and then trying to do something about it um because like you said it's a cool feeling man like one because it's not you don't do it like to get something individual out of it like i think anyone for the most part is probably lying if they like say like there's no individual component to things like even when you're thinking about the collective all right but you really are doing it because like we're all fighting for something bigger and even if we don't like even if we're not occupying the same lanes we don't necessarily have the same strategies or, like the same ideas if you share like the really core values like equity justice certain human rights things like that right like then um That's what it's all about. And it's cool to find like-minded people when there's so many people who seem to be working so damn hard against these things.
0: Yeah, and then not even that, um, this is – it's a good way to, as you say, it's not even so much – I look at it as not so much mute the media, but talk about the things the media is not talking about. So it's giving other people a voice, and it's giving other people the opportunity – to highlight certain things that people keep glossing over intentionally or unintentionally. So yeah, that's, that's what's up, man. That, that I mean, like that that's some good when I say like, that's good work because a lot of these things, when it comes to activism, there's so many things you can fight about, but that's either because of things you've heard about or you know about, and then being able to highlight these things, the least of these issues, I think that that's important. So that's some, that's some good good stuff man uh what do you where are you guys with that as we're talking about like mutant media do you guys have like a website you guys have like a bulletin board um like what are the things that we could like look out for as far as to help people with some sense of direction when it comes to like the work you guys do?
1: The biggest two things I'd say is right now um, we're trying to really focus the YouTube show going forward, uh, which you do Monday through Friday weekly, is trying to find like actual like causes to highlight within each specific show, certainly Monday through Thursday. right? So if there's someone we can get on, even through TikTok, right, who's like kind of doing something, alert us to something, and we can try and point people towards those resources, trying to help crowdfund things. That's something that Cheyenne is awesome about. Uh, she has her uh, crowdfunding Um, Idea and like that's actually been put into action, which is just, you know, finding people who need help and trying to just get direct cash to them, right? To just kind of support people. If our government's not gonna do it, let's try and do it as a community. the biggest thing is we don't have a set set website we got the linktree media.org links out to the linktree and there you can find uh, various things across social media. but the most important things is there's uh usually links near the top for like things we're kind of focusing on like like stop line 3 when that was uh when that was like kind of first in the news ways right you have a link to that the direct website so if you're getting more information find ways to help you know we have a change.org petition for what's going on down in Rutherford uh county tennessee for example and things of that nature so um, the things that we're kind of, like, getting focused on, we'll put up there and kind of have, like, resources people can go to. But like I said, man, uh, this is a few months in the making so far. So, like, literally every day I'm learning and uh, we're learning and we're trying to kind of improve the process and figure out what we really want this thing to look like. So, I'm not a really, I'm not a plan guy, dude, because, like, life's so dynamic. So, I have a general idea of, like, the endpoint I want. But beyond that, we just kind of try and figure it out as we go. So.
0: And I, and I think that's what's what's beautiful about this work to some extent is, like, It goes back to i keep saying the human experience is like we're just figuring it out um a lot of people when they ask me like how are you doing this i'm like i have no idea (laughs) i'm learning how to ride my bike by bumping into the wall a little bit that's basically how this is going absolutely oh man um my next question yeah my next question i have and i am curious about this um And going back to, like like I said, I think that this is important because I think that this is something that people need to kind of grab hold to is when we're talking about the things that people don't see, um, the things that keep us up at night or that seem to, like, I would say, like, shake us in a sense or basically just remind us that we're human. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have something that is our kryptonite as the human experience goes. Um, What is something that you that you would want people to, I guess, like know about mute the media, or at least this head, this figurehead of mute the media. And what's something as far as like, when I say like, I don't describe it like one, like the issues that we see around the world that has impacted you in a sense that made you go like, ow, that one hurt. You know what I'm saying? Um, What is something that people don't know that is heartbreaking to you when it comes to this work?
1: um to the middle east man like just like i people recall if you're around me in the circle like i got really emotional and passionate i'm pretty passionate dude but like the conversation like afghanistan like that hurt like those couple of weeks where it was a main story and the, like cuz like for some people it's just a blip in the you know news cycle but that one it was that was just a way hurt.
0: to touch the algorithm or to t- to talk about in um social circles i get you i get you
1: but like that was it man like just like Dude, U.S. imperialism, man, it goes back to like, like seeing like, like, like Palestine, right? Like, like just seeing like the end result and seeing like hearing the mothers cry, right? Hearing the fathers cry, seeing the children cry, like that shit hits so hard because it it sounds exactly and it echoes exactly like the stories from like my dad and their friends. And, you know, like, you know, I've had people who've gone back to fight with the resistance who haven't come back and stuff. And like that shit really hits. It's really personal, man. Um, because everyone, right, like you're saying, everyone has something personal that either kind of stops them in their tracks or really kind of gives them some fire to go. Um, that's why, like, I always separate between, like, the U.S. nation, and the U.S. empire, and you got to bring it back together. Um, but, dude, the U.S. empire, dude, like, just, like, how we impact this entire world, that shit hurts, dude. Like, because people will talk about how this is such a great country, et cetera, et cetera. And even if we concede that, it goes back to what you're saying, at what cost? And as you get older and older and you encounter more and more stories and you see the cost more and more, it hurts more and more every day because it goes right back to why like my dad's here to begin with and why like I have this passion to begin with, right? Is US imperialism. So um Yeah, man, it's just the machines it's, it's, the machines evil, dude. Like see, anything we touch in the Middle East always just gets me in a really emotional space
0: yeah i feel you there um what's something that you do <clears throat> to take care of yourself mentally and emotionally because it's one thing it's one thing to have like a physical ailment in a sense because those you can remedy in some sense you got a broken bone you gotta put a cast on to realign the bones if you got a, if you got a scar put some if you ghetto you know what i'm saying if you ain't got no band-aids you know you put some sport and some duct tape you're good um but for the scars that people don't see, like for instance, you just talked about how the Middle East really plays a part and impacts you, what is something that you do to take care of everything up here? Um, relating back to my spiritual beliefs, you know, when people say the heart of a man, um, I believe the heart of a man is up here because you can get a heart transplant, but you still have the same you still have the same ideologies, desires, and everything up here. What is something that you do to take care of your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit? when these difficult things come up as an activist, um, doing this work. You're muted, brother.
1: Doing that thing. Thank you, sir. Two things come to mind, man. Uh, the first is I love to write. So, um, often I'm like, I just, it's a good way to get it out of my system, man. I love to write, uh, sometimes just for myself and I'll keep it to myself where you could be just fully transparent and maybe even put things down that like you didn't even know were like, you didn't even want to admit necessarily right and so just kind of getting that out helps another one is dude. honestly i love uh my front porch dude i love to just wake up toss on some music sit there kind of look at the trees and just uh, allow the sounds to hit me because sometimes sounds can tap into like those emotional feelings in a way that uh words or other forms of expression just never could and it's uh i don't know if i'm gonna call it meditation it's kind of my own form of just like finding peace to start the day so um And then do just good relationships, man, like your friends and family who you uh, share values with, who uh, know what you're up about and they support you. Um, Tapping into them and kind of letting them know when I'm having those down days, those down times, right? And knowing that they'll support you. And uh, they don't even have to say anything, right? Just kind of knowing there's people there who want to know if you're down, who want to know if you're struggling, who want to be there for you, regardless of what that looks like. So I'd say relationships, music, and uh, writing and sports, man. Sports is a healthy way to get it out.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on something that I've been really trying to drive home with people I've had on here, especially whether you do this work or you're just an artist by trade. Um, Talk about the importance and the significance of community, establishing a community and having that support system. um, There's a difference between having a circle and people in your corner. Talk about the importance of having community when it comes to doing this work.
1: I mean, because that's kind of what we're doing it for. Right. Is like it goes back to like we all believe in something bigger than ourselves, whatever that is. And you it starts with your community. Right, Actually, it starts with yourself. Right. So like you got to reconcile out some of your bullshit. Right. Have your own kind of it's how like it's how all stories kind of go. Right. If someone has to deal with their own internal bullshit. Right. Then they kind of get confronted by the world in some sense and they kind of find a way to navigate that and try and deal with that. And you're doing it for your family. You're doing it for people you love. You're doing it for like people in general. And it starts with like your community. It starts with the people around you. And then you try to expand outward. And so uh, we always come back to that word. But I think people want like these like big, easy, quick fixes. And like that's too big. That's too broad. No one has like a no one has a brush that big. Right. So I think it comes down to find the people who you can kind of relate to on a personal level, relate to on an emotional level, relate to on a spiritual level, uh, relate to on with values. And that doesn't have to be like your blood family and stuff like that, man. That's just cuz like you don't choose that, right? That's just a uh, fine Man, you
0: I know. tell people that all the time, <laughs> family is not biological, it's chemical. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely people you have chemistry with. But continue. I just wanted to drive no. that home real quick cuz that's <laughs> it.
1: But that's like that's literally it and that's like kind of the beauty of like us as humans is we do get to kind of dictate our uh, path to some um dictate our path to some extent. So, uh, that's it right there. Like we have this amazing ability to kind of choose and manifest for ourselves the paths we want, um, to some extent, right? Obviously there's external things beyond all of our control to various levels. Um, but the cool thing is, like you said, it starts up here and uh, if you can match this shit and we're always trying to get better at it, but if you can match this shit to some degree, you'll, you'll find that like the paths that open up to you are not what you thought they could be. So
0: yeah. And you know what? I've I've come to find out and people tell me this all the time of my community. I've established it's so easy as an activist to fight for other people, but it's really hard to allow other people to fight for you. Whatever that looks like, whether it's a hey, Matt, how you doing today? And you want to hit them with the generic like, oh, I'm cool, man, I'm all right. But then it's the no, really, how you doing? Like, that's what it looks like to allow people to fight for you. And to be in community with other people, establishing that intimacy and seeing you without your armor on, essentially. Like, you know, I like I said, I, I think that sometimes when it comes to this work, we're we we fight so hard to have people see what we want them to see, that sometimes that we end up making the things that are human about us invisible and we end up doing us a disservice. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that's that's super super real you just
1: uh, hit it because like it's not an easy space to be in right when you put yourself out there in some sense and you get a lot of criticism and you get a lot of like attacks and stuff you have to like harden the shell right you got to harden the skin you got to tell yourself like i don't give a shit what people have to say like i don't care about the negative like pushback like they don't know all that jazz like but to your point like you can't like allow that to like Become who you are in your personal circle and these interpersonal relationships stuff like that. You got to remember to like kind of drop it and be a human still. Because like to some extent, like like I say, it's not fake, right? Like you, like I'm an angry motherfucker, right? But like. <laughs> 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 Like, you know, so but you got to find like a healthy way to channel that. And then you got to remember, like, there's a time and a place for that. And there's a way to do that. And that can't be something like you unleash like in your personal sphere and stuff like that, especially with the people who do give a fuck about you, who do support you, who do want the best for you and what you're trying to do. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you got to go soon. And I'm curious if you're able to do this with me, because this will kind of give me an idea if I'm going to like you as a person or not. Do you have time for <laughs> quick hitters by chance? Let's do it. Alrighty, so basically the quick hitters, for those that know and have watched the KidCaster podcast before, this is basically where I ask my guests a couple of yes or no, either or questions, and this is just for sport to, like I said, we're here to humanize these content creators and these people at the end of the day. So, my first question, Doritos or Pringles? Doritos. Seriously? Huh? Mm-hmm. You like having air and empty promises in as a snack. All right. I love it. Kill the hope. <laughs> Kill the hope. That's absolutely awful. Good gosh. Um, Skittles or Starburst? Oh God. Starburst. Starburst. Right. All righty. Um, can I go back? Can I say Skittles? Let's take it back. Yeah, you can I, say Skittles. I felt regret. Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Uh. Okay. Um. Flats or flats or drums when we're talking about chicken.
1: Oh, I'm about to get canceled. Give me my chick. Give me my premium chicken nuggets. Give me my premium chicken nuggets. Boneless, you baby. <laughs> You're childish. percent. Oh, hundred I told me I have the taste buds of a juvenile little
0: five-year-old dude. hundred percent. That is wow. As dot di- as complex, the paradox into the mat into the mat or mute the media experience. I'm, judging you out loud and inside <laughs> <internally>. um <laughs> uh hmm they have no idea who you listen to music wise uh if you had to pick pharrell or kanye uh, probably kanye all right all right not a wrong answer not a wrong answer michael jackson or prince 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 hmm instrumentation or just catalog is just better than michael's
1: for your opinion wise i think the catalog is just better man and i have this thing where like i'm like an antagonist to heart, and there's a lot of people around me who loved michael jackson and so I, i'm like i didn't like the sound that much as a kid so i was like oh it'll piss them off but i don't like michael jackson i think i just kind of kept some of that energy and then i really liked i did like some of prince music when i came across it so probably prince for me man It's not like it's not really an anti-Michael Jackson thing, though. You're just a contrarian at heart.
0: You know what I'm saying? You go get chicken nuggets (laughs) when we ask you what kind of chicken wings you want. What the hell? Um, Um, hmm. All right. If you could go and see, this is a concert lineup. You pick opener, mid, closer. Who's performing at this concert?
1: Hmm. I know for sure it's gonna have okay. Actually, I got this. Opener is gonna be Chevelle, middle Deftones. tones, closer is nine inch nails. It's like I grew up loving like rock and like metal and just like that kind of scene. So yeah, Chevelle, Deftones, Tones, Nine Inch Nails. My dream lineup.
0: Alrighty T. Alrighty. Um you're having dinner, five dinner guests, um, dead or alive. Who's at this dinner table with you?
1: Hmm. Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe let me think about this. this is a good question actually
0: you know he's a Baltimore Theodore. native right
1: <laughs> Edgar Allan
0: Poe. I'm actually from Baltimore so that's pretty dope that's pretty dope
1: uh I just love his work man um Teddy Roosevelt maybe like a political figure comes to mind within the American sphere um the my middle name is Musa so, Musa Hebani, uh was part of as a great revolutionary. My dad, I uh, really admired. So he's someone I'd have there. I'd love to pick his brain. Bert um, Nietzsche, probably probably go with him as one. And then, hmm, Bill Gates. I want to figure out what he's actually about. I actually, talk to him and get a feel for him myself in an interpersonal sphere. Bill Gates, and not because I like to do anything. I just want to actually know what he's about, right? Like, because like we always talk like corporations, big entities, and stuff, and like him Bezos or Zuckerberg I'd want one of them just to actually be able to go at in a in a sphere like that so not in terms of admiring them but just I want
0: to figure out what they're about gotcha this is, I don't know if this is it for you but for me does Bill Gates always look like he's like holding in a fart that he just does not want to <laughs> let out for some odd reason like I don't know what it is I'm like he is holding in the world's longest fart since like the world's first compact computer to now I don't understand why that he makes that face I don't <laughs>
1: Dude, I think it's all three of them have that face to some extent. I think it's like they're all holding some shit in, dude, or they're all just trying so hard to like act normal in that space. I don't know, but what's normal?
0: So, <laughs> Absolutely. And my last and final question. Um, If you could see anybody on the Kid Casper podcast, who would it be? But your answer has got to be somebody you could help get on here, essentially.
1: Oh, that's good. All right, let me think about this real quick, because I want to make sure this is actually like a... Uh... Huh. <laughs> I feel like all right, so I got a buddy who's someone I really admire in this space. He's someone who's been around uh mute the media and he's like kinda he keeps my head level. I think he's got a good perspective. And we come from like really different backgrounds, like really different backgrounds, and he has a viewpoints on America I don't always agree with, but this dude's got a good heart. Like, he's got a really good heart, in my opinion. Um, I think he's really about it. Like, you know, like, people talk about these things. Like, Afghanistan, for example, a lot of people talked about it. But he put his money where his mouth was. He really tried to help out. He's like put his time to help, like, with, like, and um, like teaching people English and stuff, like, refugees to come here and things like that. I know him and his kids, they actually like, follow up on stuff. So, uh, no use for names. That's someone I'd like to see in this space.
0: No use for names. All right i don't think i'm familiar with him at is he on tiktok by chance
1: he is on tiktok he's a he's a good dude man um he's a good dude that's someone i'd like to see on this space i think you guys would have hit it off well
0: oh shy uh, uh shy shy says that the, the, that <laughs> seems to be a good answer so all right i'll check that one out and um first off brother matt thank you um for the last closing statement Here on the Kid Caster podcast, what can we expect from you or mute the media in the future to come, essentially?
1: More of the same, man. Just gonna try and get better at this. Unapologetically, we're gonna try and expand and uh, take over the different. Dude, I wanna take down Fox, CNN, MSNBC, and show people what a real media platform can look like that actually gives a fuck. Um, Just, I'm gonna continue to be authentic, try to be genuine, uh, try to take in like the criticisms that come my way, right? Try to really listen to people who have like, You know, perspectives I don't and just try and get better with this thing, man. Like, you know, that's all you can do is try and learn and improve. So what you see and what you if you've liked this shit already, we're just trying to get better at it and cry and keep doing the same thing that is already working. Shave off the shit that doesn't work and improve. Simple as that, man. I really want to change the world, dude. Like, you know, like it sounds cheesy, but like this world's fundamentally flawed from its foundation. And so the goal is to cut out that foundation. And it starts with media, in my opinion, because that's how we
0: tell stories. I'm, I'm with that for real all right all right brother well thank you brother matt for sharing this space with me man this was dope um thank you everybody for tuning in i know this is a little different because we're here on a sunday night you know what i'm saying everybody's trying to watch football i feel like that's secretly why matt's trying to leave me right now he's just gonna go and watch people Bashing each other in the head. I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> I mean, that might be it. I don't know. That's completely his business. It ain't none of my business. Um, but thank you everybody for tuning in tonight. Um, I should be back here on Tuesday. Actually, no, I have an interview with Kaylin Goody on Kaylin Good, I believe is how you enunciate the, that black woman's name. Um, I should be back here on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, always remember you are beautiful, blessed, and beloved. Raisins don't go on potato salad. Um, question. Cause even though you said you eat like a juvenile, I'm curious. Um, d- do you put mayonnaise on peas? I don't
1: like peas to begin with and they shouldn't go on peas. Like mayonnaise belongs like with a sandwich if you're going to do that. But like, I don't, why would you put people put mayonnaise on peas? Like that's a natural okay, thing. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, another thing I got to ask, um, would you ever put condensed milk on avocados?
1: Dude, I'm not touching avocados to begin with. And I'm certainly not touching condensed milk. 2%. <laughs>
0: raises uh always remember you are beautiful blessed beloved raises don't go on potato salad and jesus wasn't white have a good night